Hey, hello, and welcome to my page. If you are new here, let me introduce myself. I'm Sherry Dias Malat with Glam Lashes Galore, and I love to come here and help teach women how to use makeup with confidence so that they can see beauty is ageless. And I really, really hope that I don't lose my signal. It is absolutely pouring outside. We're going on the third day of non-stop rain and it's a little bit crazy and I'm getting a little bit like uh, claustrophobic like cabin fever um, but it's really like we're under flood watches and all kinds of stuff. So if you jump on give me a hey say hello if you're new here I would love to welcome you and I wanted to share a little bit about working in Hollywood. I don't really talk about this story. I'm trying to think if I've even shared this story here at all but um, when I finished school, my dream was to work in the movie business. So I studied radio, TV, film. I wasn't going to be in front of the camera. I wanted to be behind the camera. I wanted, originally I wanted to be a director. Like, who doesn't want to be a director, right? I wanted to write screenplays. I loved the art of writing. And so all of my undergraduate work was in production, learning how to climb these huge ladders and hang lights and, and work on sets and editing. Oh, I loved editing. So my very first internship, I had to do an internship to graduate. And so my internship was in the movie business. And um, it was very eye-opening. So I got an internship that actually wanted to hire me right after I graduated. Hi, Paula. You need rain. I wish I could ship some of this to you because I'm like waterlogged. It's a little bit much. And I'm hoping, hoping my garden survives. So my internship was amazing because they offered me a job. And if you know anyone that lives in LA or Southern California and who's trying to get their foot in the door in the movie business, even if you go to school to study it, it is so hard to get a job. And I'm gonna tell you, like my first job, I was making $18,000 a year. I couldn't even afford to rent an apartment in Los Angeles because it was so, I mean, it was pennies from what my friends and other degrees were starting off with. And, and, let me just say it was $18,000 a year, like years ago, years ago, long time ago. So I, I got this job offer and I thought, oh, you know, wouldn't it be great? You know, I'm going to be a working woman and I want to take time off this summer. But that wasn't the offer I got. The offer I got was to start two days after my graduation. And I graduated, I think it was a Saturday, a Friday or a Saturday. And so I started my job on Monday. And so here I am working at this talent agency that was so big at the time because we packaged a little show you might know. Have you ever heard of America's Funniest Home Videos? I mean, it's been on for so long. What a huge moneymaker. What a huge idea for a show. Hi, Vicki. Welcome. America's Funniest Home Videos was put together by the agency where I worked. And at the time, packaging was a big deal in Hollywood. You would take, for example, our agency represented writers, producers, directors, you know, just so many different people that worked in the movie and television business. And so we would say, okay, well, I'm going to supply the producer's idea here, and I'm going to take the director, and I have some talent, and we're going to put together all these pieces, and we're going to get percentages from each of them going into one show or one viable product, if you will. And so that was our claim to fame, and it was huge for our agency. But we had, hey, Melissa, thank you so much. Oh, Alicia, hello. Alicia, am I saying it right? So... We also had like 200 or 300 uh, actors and actresses. I mean, back in the day, okay, this was in the 80s, so if any of you are as old as me, you may know some of these names. We had Robert Conrad, and we had Sybil Shepherd, and um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of some of the names. We had like these big people from the 80s in our agency, and we had a lot of um, daytime soap opera. Soap operas were big in the 80s. We had a lot of soap opera stars. Um, I met, you know, Luke and Laura from General Hospital. Anyone ever watched Luke and Laura? Oh my gosh, like, I was dying. So I had to work with a lot of these actors and actresses. And here I am, I was 21 when I graduated from school. And I was a little starstruck, okay, because Luke, 
I, I start off as a receptionist and so Luke from General Hospital is sitting in the waiting room and I'm the receptionist. I'm like, may I get you a cup of coffee? Would you like some water? Coffee, tea, or me? <laughs> Trying to like make small talk while he's waiting for this meeting to start. You know, and then another day Laura comes in. I'm like, oh my gosh, I loved Laura. So I had to get over the starstruck and like be professional, of course, right? Because I'm my first job, my first job. I don't know where it's going, but my foot's in the door. And so then I moved up in the company. And then part of my job, part of my duties were to work with scheduling because all of the actors and actresses that we represented, they all, well, the biggest ones didn't do uh, like readings or casting calls or anything like that. Many of them were big enough on their own merit and their own work that they didn't they didn't do readings for producers and directors or casting agents. They just like you want me or you don't want me is the kind of um, I guess bubble that went around them. But we had plenty who were character actors and other such roles as you fill in in, in Hollywood and in the movie business that did have to go in for reading. So part of my job was to make sure that their glossy eight by 10 and their, you know, resume of all of the work that they've done and their packets go off to all the different casting agencies. But then also I fielded the phone calls with them. So thinking about this a lot over the last week, there was one female who was so chatty on the phone. And I really liked talking with her, but it was really, a tough thing for me to do because Hollywood is beautiful people. If you've ever been to Southern California, I mean, people get dressed up. They look nice when they go to the mall. You know, they look nice when they go to Walmart for the most part. People look good. They take care of themselves. They have, you know, good looking hair, good looking skin, good looking clothing. <laughs> and so the actors and actresses are no different. I mean, even more so in that kind of business. And so there was this one female who was probably in her 30s. I mean, she was older than me at the time. And she would call me. All I'm going to say is her first name was Leslie. And Leslie would call me and she's like, oh, have you heard from the casting agent yet? You know, did I get that role? Um, I don't know. You know, when we have some information, we'll, we'll get in touch, whatever. And then she'd call back the next day. Yeah, I really, like, I think I nailed it. I think... I want this role. This role is perfect for me. You know, let me know if you heard anything. You know, they're still seeing people from what I hear. You know, and then the next day, like, I, I know this role is meant to be mine. Well, guess what? Leslie didn't get the role. Like, this had happened over and over and over again. Not just Leslie, but a lot of the other actors and actresses. You know, and they're calling. They want feedback. How'd I do? What'd they say? You know, are, are they thinking about me? Am I in the top two or the top three? And it's exhausting. It's like, because you're constantly the cheerleader. Yeah, Leslie, you know, you're, you're like, you'd be good for it. You're, you're the height they want. You're the, you know, the certain color hair that they want. You're the, you know, you're physical. You have a physical um, kind of build that they want for this role. Think about all the things that a casting agent looks for in a male. Or let's just talk about females right now, okay? Because I'm a female and maybe you're a female too watching. So what are the different things they look for? I have a screenplay right here. Or I have, you know, maybe a book that's being made into a film. And so I want to think, who are my top characters? My top, my lead actress needs to be, you know, blonde. Okay, well, a blonde could be a natural blonde or it could be a brunette who's gone blonde. That, you know, that you can work with that. And some actresses will change their hair color for different parts. Think about Sandra Bullock, right? She's been a blonde. She's been a brunette. She's probably been a strawberry blonde before. That's not, you know, set in stone. But maybe they want someone who's on the shorter side, maybe 5'5 five, five or under. Or maybe they want a very medium 5'6 to 5'8 because they need to be the same height as the guy, the big, you know, A-list actor who's already assigned, who's already agreed to this project. Maybe he's, maybe it's his production company. And so the female lead has to work in around him, whether it's a Tom Cruise or someone like that. You know, you have certain either height or character or whatever restrictions. And so you look at all these physical traits and the, the casting sheet will come out and say what they're looking for. And then you look through your clientele list of your, your actors and your actresses and you try and figure out how can I best market my people that I represent to get the role. So you're, you know, you're really like a detective in a lot of ways, but also you're very creative because you're trying to maybe take these people and get them roles that are going to skyrocket. You just don't know. This may be the one 
show or movie that skyrockets their career. And so Leslie calls me day after day for this one role that she wanted so much. Do you think Leslie got it? Nope. It's almost like the more you want something sometimes, you don't get it. And so I had to feel that call too. I had to say, Leslie, yeah, they're going a different direction, you know. And I had these conversations over the period of two years with Leslie, and I, I really enjoyed her as a person because she shared so much of what she was going through, like the thoughts that she would have and the feelings and the insecurities would come out in our conversations. She's like, oh, you know, they told me I wasn't pretty enough. And I think, oh my gosh. Okay, she's not, she, she may not be the Angelina Jolie um, front cover of a Vogue catalog, but my gosh, she is the beautiful girl next door who has nothing wrong with her physical appearance. But she's told she isn't pretty enough. So then she'd go back for another project, and Leslie would say, oh, I'm not thin enough. Ugh. As a female, and this is your career, and you're not thin enough? Think about how many females in the entertainment business who are always worried about their weight, you know? Or they go back in and she'd say, well, I'm too thin. You know, for one role, she's too thin. For another role, she's not thin enough. She's too heavy. She's too tall. She's too short. She's too pretty for one of the roles, but she's not pretty enough for another role. And the conversations that I had with Leslie, among other actors, male and female also, but the, the female ones were hard because as a female, you know, the female conversations were hard, especially with Leslie, because she did sort of let me into her world and what it was like to be an actress in Hollywood, at least back in the 80s. I don't think it's much different now, was how much criticism there was of her, of the way she looks, of her her height, her weight, her hair color, her physical build, her chest. Was her chest not big enough? Was it too big? Was it too small? I mean, was she was she not curvy enough? Was she more of an athletic build and they wanted more of an hourglass shape? I mean, it's a brutal, brutal world for anyone that wants to be on stage or in front of the camera or even just to be female. So one of the things that I really hated so much one was being the cheerleader because to me it just all felt so, I don't know. I hate to use the word fake because I love Hollywood. That was a passion of mine. That was my dream was to work in Hollywood. But there is such a superficial part of it that goes with the entertainment business because you know, in a lot of ways, it's all smoke and mirrors, whether there's a lot of CGI and creative stuff that's created in the movies, or filters, or camera angles, or, you know, you fill in the blank, makeup, right? There's so much self-criticism as well, though, for the people who have to be in those roles. And so I think about, I wonder where Leslie is. I need to Google her and see like what she's doing. Is she still in the business? Um, and her husband was an actor also. And I always wonder, you know, did they stay together with the pressure of that kind of lifestyle and raising a family and everything? But Leslie really gave me a great insight as to how resilient she was because she was always for her job. She was always trying to stay fit. She was always trying to stay current. She was always trying to better herself. She was always trying to get that one big break over these small roles from time to time. And she was always being put down. She was always being told she wasn't good enough. And that's part of the lifestyle. If you go into entertainment is that you're never good enough. You're never, you're never the right person until maybe you do get that job. Then you're the right person, but that's one job. And now maybe the job ended. Maybe it was one guest appearance on a drama. Back then it was Hill Street Blues, or maybe it was a comedy. Maybe it was Cheers. Cheers was a huge show back then, or, or then Friends came along. Maybe you had that one guest appearance as a girlfriend or, or a crazy neighbor on a show. And it was one shot, you know? If they like you enough, maybe they would create a recurring role for you. Oh my gosh, like, could you be so, so amazed? 
so amazing to get a recurring role because you're one spot on that show was so awesome and you nailed it that they liked it and the audience responded and they want you back but that didn't really happen very much that's a really rare thing to happen unless it was written into a script that we're gonna add a character a neighbor a girlfriend something like that so usually when it finished what happened was your job's over so now you pound the pavement and you have to keep going back to get more jobs which is a crazy way to make your money, right? And if you hit it big, you know, God bless you because that is such a small percentage of people. So I think about the resiliency that Leslie and other actors and actresses have to have and had at the time when I knew them because they had to constantly pick themselves up and be ready for the next role. Because you can't go into the next role being upset about last week's, you know, you're, you're too heavy. Or last week's, oh yeah, you know, I don't like your skin. I don't think we can fix your skin on screen to make it look peaches and cream. Or um, you're not big chested enough. Or you're not curvy enough for our role. Or you're too short. I mean, there's just only so much you can do, right? Can't be perfect for everyone. And so I think about how this affects, I don't know, me, being a mom of a daughter, being a female, the messages that we get and we see and we process and what do we do with it all, right? Because I'm not out in Hollywood. I Like, honestly, you like me or you don't. And I'm okay with that. And maybe that is a huge blessing because if you are new to me, you may not know. I'm 52. I'll be 53 this fall. And... I think I find the 50s to be very, very freeing and very, I don't know, it's a happier time than I think I was maybe in my 30s or 40s even because I get to a point where it's like, you know, I don't really care so much. I used to care a lot about what people thought about me. I used to care a lot about... I don't know, am I part of them? Am I part of the group? Are they gonna like me? Are they gonna wanna be my friend? And now I'm 52 and I'm like, eh, Kelly, hey girl. I am finding my 50s to be so liberating in so many ways because I'm at a different kind of peace with myself than maybe since my 20s. In my 20s, I thought I could blaze the trails and I had no limits and I could do what Ever I wanted to do and I sort of lost that I, I lost my way on this path of life I put myself last right do you agree I put myself last because I followed my husband's career which is a choice I made and I don't regret it at all but I didn't think that I'd get lost along the way like who am I all of a sudden again like I'm his wife and I'm their mom, and I have three kids, and I'm, you know, hey, so-and-so's mom, are you Julie's mom? Hey, Mark's mom. Hey, I don't remember your name. They never remember your name. You're Frank's wife. You don't remember your name because <laughs> you're just the person next to them, right? On the arm of my husband at a military bar ball or, you know, with my kids at baseball or softball practice or school event. So the 50s are like, ooh, hey, I'm back. Like, I'm okay. And I'm okay with being okay. And I'm okay if not everyone else thinks I'm okay, which is so stinking awesome. And I think about Leslie. I think about this actress, Leslie. And I, I so wish I was still in touch with her. I wish I could ask her, like, how did all of that work out for you? Because how does someone manage when they spend, like, for her job as an actress to always be told, you're not okay, you're not okay, you're not okay. Too tall, too short, too heavy, too thin, too small-chested, too big-chested, too blonde, too brunette, too... Uh, love being back. I love being back. And so I wanted to share with you all the things that I hated so much about working in Hollywood. I hated to always have to be the cheerleader for someone else. Have you ever had to be a cheerleader for someone? And there's different, like... Let me separate that because I am the best cheerleader for my husband. Oh my gosh, like go honey, you rock, I love you, you're amazing. I've got that, right? I've got that down. And my three kids, oh, I can cheer them on. I can cheer on my family. I can cheer on my best friends. But it's really hard to cheer on someone who is a taker. 
right? And there are some people that don't get it. There are some people who are just always seeing their own flaws. Like Leslie, this actress Leslie, she knew that she wasn't getting parts. And I think part of her dialogue with me, part of her conversation with me was talking through it. I think that was her way of saying, oh, I really want this. I think I rocked it. Oh, I think she was telling herself all of these self-encouraging stories. She was being her own cheerleader to get through what she knew was a really hard way to make a living. She, oh, Kim, I appreciate you so much. It is really hard to cheer for someone else, though, that doesn't see their own greatness. Do you hear me? It is really hard to cheer for someone else that doesn't see their potential, for someone else who always sees the negative and can't find the positive. To cheer for someone who doesn't maybe see their potential, someone who doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel or maybe the light at the end of the journey. And, and let me be the first to say I get that, okay? Because I was lost. Like my whole 30s, I was pregnant or nursing or trying to get pregnant or whatever. I, I was mommy mode for my 30s. In my 40s, I was a whole new kind of lost. In my 40s, I was grieving from like lost my grandmother, my cousin lost her oldest son, and I lost my dad. I mean, my whole decade of my 40s, I feel like I was just buried in grief. So now, like now I get it, right? So trying to cheer for someone who doesn't see their own potential, who doesn't see even a glimmer of hope. It was really hard in Hollywood to help the actor or actress on the phone who would call and say, hey, did I get the part? Have you heard anything yet? No, I haven't heard anything. Um, still waiting, you know, give me a call tomorrow. Okay, and they call tomorrow, they call the next day and they say, hey, have you heard anything? Oh, yeah, well, they went a different way. They went with, you know, they wanted someone with a certain, you know, ethnic look, or they wanted someone that didn't have an accent, or they didn't like your, you know, southern accent, or they didn't like your New York accent, or Jersey accent, or whatever. It's really hard to give that kind of encouragement and that cheerleading to someone that doesn't, in some small way, pick themselves up a little bit and say, okay, well, back to the drawing board, or what do you have for me next week, or what about the other job I went to read? You know, there's a certain amount of resiliency that is so amazing. There's a certain amount of resiliency that actually is a huge thing. And it doesn't matter if you're a female or a male. Hey, I am talking about what I, the one thing that I disliked when I worked in Hollywood. It was about trying to talk to actors and actresses when they didn't get a part, when they were told that they didn't fit, when they told that they weren't pretty enough, or they were too pretty because that happens too. Sometimes a role is for a very attractive male or female, and or for maybe just a, a person who lives next door, maybe someone who isn't a standout. Maybe it's someone who is not very attractive, who becomes attractive throughout the story. Uh, like a Princess Diaries, right? Have you ever seen the Princess Diaries movies? I used to love those. Those are so cute. Because she wasn't a princess by the way you would look at her, but she became one by the end. Characters always change, so maybe the actor or the actress has to change throughout the story. But it's really hard to cheer for someone who doesn't have just a little bit of that go get them spirit inside. Whether it's something that's been suppressed because you're going through a season, going through a tough season, perhaps it's grief, perhaps it's motherhood, perhaps it's job loss or setbacks or tough trials and tribulations. We all go through that. We all go through these seasons in our life where we are trying to figure out who we are, what do we want, what have we been doing, do we want to keep doing what we've been doing? Do I do something different? Do we want to pivot and change? Having just a little tiny bit of that resiliency inside you, even if it's lost, if you ever had it in your lifetime, I'm going to tell you, you can get it back. If it's ever been part of your personality, it's still there. It is still inside of you. It is still bubbling. It is still percolating under your skin, wanting to come out, wanting to be 
part of who you are now or who you're going to be later or who you are evolving into. Because I really believe that who you are right now may not be who you're going to be tomorrow. And it may not be who you're going to be next week or next month or even next year because life throws us all kinds of curveballs and setbacks, but also opportunities, right? There are so many opportunities that you don't even know. Maybe right in front of you this week, next week, next month, next year, they might be right in front of you. And you may choose to take it, maybe a new job offer, maybe a new house, maybe a new location, maybe a new opportunity. Those things that make you resilient, those things that make you want to keep trying, want to keep doing better, those are the things that really make you enjoy your life more, be happier, be more content, feel more fulfilled in your life. Those are the things that I really admired when I worked with actors and actresses in Hollywood. I mean, really, who wants to be told? multiple times a week, week after week, you're not good enough. And that is what so many of these people who are putting their all their dreams in this basket, if you will. You're a princess, but you're many years. Oh, Kim. I, I get that because it's so easy to get lost. And you think about these people who have these huge dreams and I really, I admire them so much because that's just not me. I never wanted to be an actor or an actress. And I really admired how so many of them would just keep trying. And it was year after year of just waiting for a break, waiting to get something that fit them because not every personality and actress, both physically, but also, you know, the, the inner personality that comes out. Not every one fits for every role, obviously. And that's why there are so many jobs and screenplays and TV shows, right? We see all these different personalities. And so trying to find, you know, the left hand that fits with the left glove and it fits perfectly, it's not an easy thing at all. And to be told this over and over again was really hard. So for me, hearing it was really hard too because, like I said, I'm a great cheerleader for those in my inner circle and for those that I network with. I can cheer like, you go girl or you rock. I've got that. But like I said, it's really, really hard to cheer for someone who is just always lost and always down and always looking at the negative. So here's my challenge, right? I've been doing this seven day challenge with people in my Glam Beauty Bar. And I wanted to do a challenge. I wanted to teach women how to take a better selfie because, okay, before like three or four years ago, I never had a photo of myself on Facebook. I was the wife, I was the mom, I was the girl saying, oh, no, like, no, like, I'm, I'm too heavy, or I didn't do my makeup today, or my hair's not done, I need to wash my hair. Don't snap the picture. You guys ever done that? Like, now I roll my eyes at myself because it really annoys me that I did that. Because I'll be honest, there's a chunk of years where my kids are missing pictures of me. I could get choked up because I'm a crier. But my three kids deserve pictures of me too, and so I stopped that process. I wouldn't let them take a picture of me. And then I started working online, and I started working with makeup, and I had to like take pictures so someone could say, "Oh, what does this what does this eye makeup look like?" I had to take pictures. I had to figure it out. So I'm doing this seven day selfie challenge, and I'm trying to teach people how to take pictures. And the one thing I was thinking about is. Holy cow, right, Alicia, all the time. We are so stinking self-critical of ourselves. And so we are sort of like the casting agents in Hollywood who are saying, oh, you're not worthy. Oh, you're not, you're too tall, you're too short. Your hair doesn't look clean. You should have washed it yesterday. Why'd you wait two days to wash it? You're gonna look horrible in that picture, okay? I didn't wash my hair today, so there, I'm being honest. Thank God for dry shampoo. What would I have done with that? The 80s, 1980s with big hair and dry shampoo. We are our own worst critics, aren't we? 
And so I have this, like, this epiphany this week as I'm doing this seven-day challenge on how to take a better selfie on, you know, just take the picture. So I'm teaching women how to learn these tips and tricks so that they do take pictures so that their their loved ones their loved ones have pictures of them either on a, a Christmas card or a newsletter or even on Facebook, right? Because now there's all these companies where you can download the pictures and make a memory book or you can send photos on your phone to an app and you can have pictures printed out like Snapfish or Shutter Shutterflies. Shutterfly, you know some of those companies. So Groovebook, like two fifty a month, you can take your photos from your phone and make like a stack, and it's like a little book of your pictures that you can, you know, tear out and use and frame. But I contradict that, or I compare it with, you know, we're so hard on hard on ourselves about these pictures, but we're sort of like the casting agent in Hollywood saying, "Oh no, you're not. You know, you're not good enough. You're." Your hair doesn't look good. Your makeup doesn't look good. You didn't you didn't take a shower today. You can't take a picture. You know, or Leslie, my friend the actress from the 1980s. You're too tall, you're too short, you're too, you know, um big busted or or lower but uh, smaller busted or whatever. Our own internal voice is sort of the casting agent in our lives telling us we're not good enough for that job or we're not good enough to take a picture or we're not good enough, you fill in the blank. Like it's, I do it too and that's why I'm talking about it because I go through it too. That inner voice saying, oh, I don't have, I'm not, I'm not a professional makeup artist. Okay, I got that. I'm not a professional makeup artist. But doggone it, I can do a lot better makeup than I did in my, well, 80s makeup was like, green eyeshadow. I can rock green eyeshadow right now though. I don't have a makeup license to be a makeup artist, but I can still rock some good makeup looks and I can show you how to do it and you can rock it too. It's so hard to get in our inner head and it's hard not to talk ourselves out of things or talk ourselves into things. Because that's what we do, right? Our mind, our mind starts going, no, you're not enough. No, you're not this. No, you're not. I often wish that I could call Leslie and just ask her so many questions. I wish that I could ask her, like, how did you keep going? How did you not talk yourself out of it? How did you get yourself up? every day, every three days to go and meet with a writer, a producer, a director and read this script and be, you know, on this day you're Lisa Smith, on this day you're Joanne Allen, on this day you're someone every day. You're putting on a hat, you're putting on a wig, you're putting on glasses, you're reading, you're becoming someone else and maybe, maybe that's part of the art and maybe that's part of the gift that really successful actresses have is that they put themselves somewhere else temporarily to get through these readings and to get through the rejection. And so I wonder, I would love to ask someone, how do you then not lose yourself? Or how do you continue to be who you're meant to be because you're always being someone else? One thing, though, that must be part of their personality. I just have to believe that it's part of a characteristic of so many who are successful living this kind of lifestyle is that they're always recuperating. They're always reinventing themselves. They're always resilient. And they're always picking themselves up and trying again. There are so many messages. I need to blog about this because I have so many thoughts in my head. And what I want to share with you is that it's never too late to find who you were, no matter what age you are. I'm in my 50s. I'm just now sort of finding so many of those passions and desires and dreams about what I wanted to create in my life and in my business and in my world and for my family. Like all those things that I wanted to do in my 20s, I keep getting these like signs. I don't know. I am a very, um, I have a, I feel a lot of um, spirit in me. I feel a lot of um, 
faith in me, but I feel like I, I feel like everything happens for a reason and I feel like a lot of signs come into my life to tell me what to do next and to encourage me that I'm going the right way. And I don't know if you if you feel that too, drop me some hearts because I really believe that a lot of things that are coming back into my life are signs that I'm supposed to pick those pieces up again and follow those dreams that I had back in my 20s. And and my dreams have changed a little bit. It's never too late. It is never too late. That is so true. I believe a lot of those things are coming back into my life to tell me that I'm on the right path, to tell me that I'm going exactly where I'm supposed to be going. And I don't always know the end. I don't always know what that's going to mean or look like, but I know I'm going in the right direction. I am resilient. I am so stinking resilient. And I hope that you are too. And I hope that whatever your dreams were, if you lost them, ah, Kim, I appreciate that so much. Whatever your dreams were when you were younger, if you lost them, I encourage you so much. Get a journal. Write about them. Talk about them. Maybe there's one person in your life that you can talk about. You know, maybe they're so big and so scary that you can't talk to everyone about them. If you have someone in your life that you can trust, and even if you don't, you can write them down. Write a letter to yourself. Write a journal to yourself. Think about the things that maybe you haven't done that you wanted to do. Okay, so I wanted to work in Hollywood. I wanted to be a screenwriter. I learned while I worked with actors and actresses that it was exhausting. <laughs> it was exhausting to be the cheerleader for someone else all the time, day in and day out, and say, you are pretty enough. You are tall enough. You are short enough. You are, yes, you are, you are, you are, you are enough. That was really hard to do that over and over again because it was every single day. It's much easier to do that when it's someone within your own, like a mentorship, a mentoring group, or a coaching group, or your inner circle of your family. Or maybe it's a BFF or a girlfriend or even a business BFF. It's much easier to do that in a smaller capacity. It is something, though, that is so important if you find... I don't know, those things that made you happy when you were younger, those things before you felt lost, those things back, you know, when you could dream any kind of dream, what would it have been? Like in my 20s were all my first. It was my first job, my first degree, my first, um, my home with my husband, I got married. It was all of these firsts, my first full-time job, my first like big, huge dreams. Whatever they were, whenever in your life they happened, in your teens, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, some people don't have those until later in life. Whenever those dreams were the biggest for you, go to that time. Sort of like fireflies in a, in a jar, like a mason jar with a lid. I used to capture those when I was little. and I'd, I'd go to my grandma's and we'd take a nail and we'd pound and holes in the top. And those fireflies would be in there and they'd sort of light up all night. And I'd put them on the dresser and I'd go to sleep with the fireflies. And I'd wake up in the morning and go, ah, they got out. They climbed through those holes. Those dreams will get out if you don't put them down. Put them on writing. Put them in a journal capture those fireflies, those fireflies that are your dreams and your stories, capture them, do something with them, write them down. You don't have to act on them today, but start thinking about them. Start bringing them back because it's never too late. You're never too old. And those dreams, that resiliency that I hope you have in you somewhere, bring those back. Put them into your life. Plug them in. Make them happen. Start dreaming again. I live in a place where I have fireflies again. And there's something about lightning bugs. We call them lightning bugs. There's something about seeing them that just, I don't know, makes me come alive again. And a funny side note. Funny side note that came up to me was that when I was in Hollywood, I had my two weeks vacation. I'd been working there for two years and I was really unhappy. I was so unhappy because the material side, the materialistic side of, of Hollywood was just absolutely eating away at my soul. It wasn't who I was. It wasn't a good fit for me because I didn't really care who sat next to you at the Beverly Hills or Beverly Hilton and who had, you know, what, yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care what kind of purse so-and-so was wearing or what shoes she had on. It just, I didn't really care. 
I, it didn't really lift me up. It didn't fulfill my soul. It felt sort of empty and cold and lonely. And so my two-week vacation, I went back to West Virginia to see my grandmother, where the whole family went every year for the 4th of July. And my uncle had this pontoon boat. And we took it out on the lake. My aunt made this amazing homemade pies. I mean, she could whip up homemade pies like crazy, and she put those on, you know, stacked them in this carrier to take on the boat with a thermos of coffee. And we went out to this little island, and we made homemade corn dogs. Like, it was such, I just thought this was the coolest thing ever. So far away from Hollywood, on an island, in a lake with a pontoon boat, and fireflies and lightning bugs, and we're making homemade corn dogs. And I'm sitting there, and I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I want. Like, I start, start to get teary-eyed when I talk about it because that was what I wanted. I wanted to be on a lake. I wanted to have a boat. I wanted to have a family. I wanted a simpler way of life. Doggone it, you know, it sort of hit me. Last week, my husband and my kids and I, we spent all day cleaning up a boat, and then we got it out and we put it in the lake. And we didn't even get to use it last year because life was crazy. And I thought... All those things that I was wishing for and wanting back when I was like 25, oh my gosh, I have them. I have them. And I get teary-eyed thinking about it because you get so busy in life, you know, married and moving and jobs changing and kids and diapers and sleepless nights and then you're older and grief and all that that is. And then all of a sudden you're 52 and you're like, where, where have the last 25 years gone? And then it dawns on me, everything that I prayed for, that I wanted when I was 25, I have a boat. It's 14 years old, and we take really good care of it. It's not fancy, but I have a boat, and we go on a lake, and we play music, and we jump in the water. And it's simple, and that's what I wanted. And so now finding those earlier memories of things that I wanted, of dreams that I had, of lightning bugs or fireflies that I had in a jar, all of those creative ideas, they're all starting to come back to me one by one in little new things. It's just, it feels good. So start. Whatever it is, just start. It doesn't matter. You don't have to know what the end is. You just have to start. Start looking at those old memories, those things that made you happy, those things before you lost yourself, the things before you had your family or your job or got lost in a job that you don't like or, I don't know, fill in the blank, right? Well, back to the times when you had those big, huge dreams and put them down, put them in writing, put them in a jar, put them on little strips of paper and drop them and go to Home Goods or TJ Maxx or Target or someplace fun and get a real pretty jar and keep little strips of paper and when you remember one of them, put them in the jar. Come up with something fun. Get a pretty journal and notebook and write about it. Start dreaming again. Find your happiness. Find your resiliency. Don't be so self-critical about what isn't right whether it's how you look, don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so hard on, you know, maybe you didn't, you didn't do those dreams that you wanted, but maybe there were dreams that are still waiting there that you can chase. Or maybe that dream will make you think of a new dream. That's a brand new idea of something you create, something that you want in your life, something that makes you happy. <sighs> My mind is all over the place because I love talking to like-minded people. I love sharing my inspiration with all of you. I appreciate you all so much. And I hope that this has meant something to somebody. If just one person out there has found a little bit of inspiration in my inspirational talk today, I hope that you will let me know. I love sharing my experiences with you because I feel like I'm not the only one going through this. I'm not the only one who's felt like I couldn't take a picture of myself or I felt like my dreams were put on hold because, you know, A, B, C, and D. Or who am I now, right? Maybe I lost myself. I don't think I'm alone. I get a lot of people who message me and who tell me, oh my gosh, I felt like you were talking to me. Well, I think it's a very huge female topic. I think it's something that we don't really talk about because 
as females, we're caretakers. I mean, a lot of our life ends up being a caretaker of a parent or a child or a grandmother or a sibling or a spouse. Ah, I appreciate you so much, Kim White. My goodness. Share your gifts with other people. You share your gifts with other people when you start realizing those dreams and those goals that you had to fulfill your own heart. I mean, that just, it like flows out of your veins to other people. Share that gift with other people. Take pictures of yourself. Write about yourself. Journal. That's how you start realizing who you are again. That's when you start realizing those dreams. That's where you start picking up the pieces if you feel lost. It is so common. It is so common, you guys. I have so many people that say, I feel lost too. It's like this big secret we have, right? It's okay. But just because you're lost, it doesn't mean you have to stay there. I am here to tell you. You can, you can stay in that place for a short amount of time, but don't live there. Have you heard the saying, you know, don't furnish the apartment. You can get the apartment. You can sit there. You can spend the night there. Don't furnish it. You don't have to stay in that place. There is so much more out waiting for you. There is so much more that you can do to smile again. I think it starts, and that's why I did the seven-day selfie challenge. I think so much of it starts when you start seeing yourself differently. If you could find out, if you could find a way, like if you're not the kind of person that does selfies, if you could find a way to take a picture of yourself where you feel like you look better, you look like, okay, I'm going to tell you, my two eyes do not always line up. Like I have a little imbalance. And so when I take selfies, I have to be creative. I had to learn different ways to make my eyes look like they were aligned, to look like they were working together. We all have our own flaws, right? You know, a, a gap in our teeth or maybe a receding hairline or wrinkles or I have all kinds of dark spots on my face that I cover up from, you know, I don't have a perfect complexion. But I found ways to fake it. I found ways to make myself look better. And when I feel, when you do something on the outside to make yourself look better, whether it's taking better selfies so that you're, you know, you're not self-conscious to put your picture on a family Christmas card every year or to take a picture with your kids at Disneyland or someplace where you go on vacation and have it on social media or, gosh, even to, does anyone still do photo albums? to put your photo in a photo album along with your kids. I'm afraid to even look back over the last 10 years to see how many photos there are of everyone else in my family. Where's mom? Where's How come mom isn't in these pictures? Yeah, there aren't many pictures that I have of me during my 40s. And it makes me really sad. And I'm gonna say it again. My three kids deserve to have pictures of their mom. Whether I'm okay with it or not, that's another issue. I need to be okay with that because they deserve that. They love me so much. They deserve pictures of me. So I challenge you, find yourself again. Find your inner self. Find a way. If you want to learn how to take better selfies, send me a message and I'll get you into my challenge and I can help teach you things that I taught myself to learn. It's all teachable. We can learn that, right? You can Google how to take better selfies. I mean, it's doable. I just gave you a tip for how to find, like finding your inner peace from when you were really happy. When were you really happy? When did you love yourself the most? When did you feel like you were unstoppable? When did you feel like I can do anything and these are my goals and this is what I want? It may not be what you want now, but go back to that time because that is where your nuggets of happiness and happiness from your past, but also future happiness. It's all there. It's all waiting for you. It's like a book sitting on a shelf that maybe you bought on Amazon and you've been waiting to read it, but it's been sitting there for three years and it's getting a little dusty. You got dusted off. Your book, your story, it's waiting for you. You just have to find it again. I love you all. I'm so blessed to be able to come here and share my inspiration and my uplifting talks with all of you. And if you are not already getting my videos, you can save this video if it meant something to you and you'd want, want to watch it again. 
You can also click on the three little dots up in the corner and you can click like and follow if you want to get notified whenever I go on video. I would be thrilled to have you following me. And if you know someone who this would be good to, you can always share it. I always appreciate that as well. I am so excited. I have so many new viewers here and I will come back and answer all of your comments later because I just appreciate you so much. Oh, Alicia, don't cry. I'm a crier. If you start crying, I'll cry because it's contagious, you know? I hope that this has touched some of you. I'm usually here doing makeup videos. I'm doing an, uh, if you like my eye look, I'm doing another live probably on Wednesday to show you how to do this. I like to do makeup tutorials here, but I try and do one inspirational video at least a week because who's talking to us? Are there many females out there talking to us, telling us all of this? Find someone who lifts you up and just absorb from them. Whether it's me or somebody else, listen to them. Incorporate their tips. Live the advice and the inspiration that they're giving you because you deserve it. Believe it because you believe that you deserve it. Believe it because you deserve it. Like that actress, if you've been following my video today and you heard me talk about Leslie, the actress in Hollywood that I used to work with, she believed something about herself, right? I mean, she was in her 30s. 30s are tough. I think 30s were so tough for me. She was a mom. She had, I think she had two kids. I remember her husband bringing, her husband was an actor and he brought the stroller into our office with at least one or two of her babies while she was still an actress. So now she's got the baby weight she's trying to lose and nursing or bottle feeding or sleepless nights. Mix it all in, right? And trying to make a living to pay for a mortgage in Los Angeles? <gasps> I mean, it was even expensive back in the 80s. She had something inside of her that kept her getting up every day and working out and doing her routine and practicing. They're, you know, they're always still studying their art. They're working with a voice coach or they're working on singing or they're working on stage presence or posture or yoga, Pilates, whatever they're doing. She had something inside of her that kept her going. What, what is it for you? What is that inside of you that keeps you going, that keeps you showing up? It's there. And it may be something from your past that's just, you know, like just wants to come out. Like, let me out. I know you're amazing. Let me out. Let me help you be amazing. I love coming here and sharing my thoughts with you and some of my stories. I feel like everything I've gone through, my stories from my past, like they all happen for a reason. You ever, you ever feel that way? I feel like everything that I went through is all designed. It's all on purpose. I feel like it's all like leading me to where I need to be. And I didn't really get that until the last year and a half or two years when I started actually doing live video, when I started talking about it and sharing it with other people. And now I think, oh my gosh, I was supposed to go through that experience so that I could share it today with somebody. It is amazing how I believe everything happens for a reason. I hope that this story today impacted you, uplifted you, shared something with you. Maybe you can share it with someone else. I hope that you will find that piece of you that's lost, if it's lost, or that piece of you that hasn't come out yet that's just waiting for you to discover it. And I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing week. And I appreciate you for stopping by and letting me be part of your day today. I need to get on and figure out some things with my kids. And again, I'm Sherry Dias Malott with Glam Lashes Galore. And I hope that you will follow me for future videos. And again, for my eye look, eye look that's coming up on Wednesday. Have a fantastic day. Bye.